Have you ever wanted to be the first to know if aliens really exist? Well, with Nebula, you can be! Nebula is the streaming service that's home to its Probably Not Aliens, as well as our YouTube channels. And the best part? All of our content goes up early on Nebula. So when we break first contact with E.T., you'll be the first to find out. That's right, you'll be able to listen to the next episode of this show before anyone else. Plus, we post bonus content that you won't find any other place. And the best part? By signing up for Nebula at nebula.tv slash probablynotaliens, you're directly supporting the show and both of us. So don't wait any longer. Join Nebula today and be the first to know if this time it really is aliens. You know, I feel like we've been on a roll of doing sort of special episodes, I guess I would say. You know, we did like, we did a couple biography, two-parters. We've done a Q&A. I think we just need to get back to our roots, you know? Mm-hmm. We need to get back to our roots, Tristan. And my cat is sneezing. That's how... that We're back already. Look at how simple that yeah, was. Yeah, my son is yelling, so everything is as it should be. Audio sounds perfect for everyone. Everyone loves it. Uh, we're very professional. <laughs> I did love that on Twitter. Uh, my wife, Kelly, who has now... Just just started listening to the podcast uh reported like oh i heard her i heard him in the background i'm so sorry and it's like nah it's fine Maybe. it's honestly it's no i mean i don't even to be honest i don't even hear him that much when when i'm editing so um but i also i also don't use the best headphones in the world so if our show sounds ba- hey does our show sound bad <laughs> i'm like i'm like thinking about this now I'm like wait do other people have complaints probably should get some more i have like a little bit of like you know that cool streamer foam on the walls otherwise known as um you know soundproofing and i probably should get more of it what i (laughs) what makes me what i am appreciative of though is that i live in a uh 114 year old house which does mean that the walls are plaster um Mm. which means it's a huge pain in the ass when you want to hang anything on the walls of course it makes it very soundproof yeah are we recording a podcast right now i we might be i mean it's really debatable right should we be are we even prepared to do we need to go to like home depot and set up professional recording booths yeah we'll just like have a live audio recording as i like you know grab a computer a laptop and just be like um there's this tiktok of this guy who tries to do increasingly ridiculous things while green screening in a zoom call and um <laughs> just like you know green screen myself in to record the podcast while i am like ordering like you know i'm at home depot buying, oh, yeah. buying sound <laughs> that's what we need to be doing look folks are our homes the best for acoustics and recording a podcast probably no but i bet it's better than uh, a big triangle building the echoes in there are out of this world yeah, like so aliens trying re- try and record a podcast in the uh in the luxor casino you can't it's noisy you can't do it it's impossible try to do it at the bass pro shop you can't do it it's mm-hmm. a th- it doesn't work hey we're trying to get this podcast started uh yeah. this is our cold open this is our cold open that we do and 
the some coldest of like opens. It. The coldest of opens. Some people like it. This is a show called It's Probably Not Aliens. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a show where we take ancient alien claims, ancient astronaut theories, and we uh, look into them, mostly debunk them. But, you know, sometimes we just look into them, see what's up. And uh, along the way, we will learn a lot about the uh, real history behind people and places and cultures. And it's a lot of fun. And uh, I get to join you in that because my name is Scott and I know nothing. I'm the host of this show that doesn't know anything. And I jump right in every week, excited, eager to learn, as we all are. Yeah, in this very tried and true podcast format, the dollop, if you will, the dollop format. Uh, my name is Tristan and I am I am the one who does the deep. I'm the person who's had a decades long grudge against conspiracy theorists that has finally been able to just air all of my grievances via podcast. And somehow, yes, that results in uh, enjoyable content. So here we I are. I think so. I yeah. mean, you're getting me questioning it now. I mean, the whole start of this show is like, I don't know. Do we? Do I? You know what? I think I even tweeted this out earlier on uh, on at Probs Not Aliens on Twitter. Uh, I think we have a good show. I think our show's good. I, I listen to our own show because I it's I do just too. long enough that I uh, I don't remember exactly how it went down. Yeah, I do and like I listen to it because I edit it, so yeah. I'm sort of forced to. I do like when I'm rec- when I'm listening to it and I'm like, oh, you know, this joke would have really worked. And then the next thing is me saying that joke. That, I, and like, <laughs> that yeah. happens to me all the time. I'm like, oh, if I was quicker on my feet, I would have said this. And then two seconds later, I'm like, oh, I did say that. Yay. Huh. Good job, me. Um, <laughs> Good job. Yeah. OK, so like here's the thing about um, this episode. Uh, we have had a string of not only very important episodes uh, yes. where we talked about David Icke and got deep into the sort of esoteric Nazi fascism that is uh deeply embedded with ancient aliens and the UFO movement. Mm-hmm. Then we talked about uh er- we talked about Eric von Daniken and his uh various things. We've done and then we did a Q&A where we were goofing off but then ended with an extraordinarily serious talk about problematic media. So Yeah. We, we got to get that or is this a fun one? Are we getting back to something fun? Yeah, this is going to be going to our roots. There's a triangle building in Mexico and people think it's an alien. Um, oh, this is what we were made for. <laughs> We were built for this. Yes, uh, we already. And this one also taps into an ancient, uh, I say ancient, a regret that I have from my trip to Mexico. I took about 11 years ago, which is that you um, will not, you always, you will never shut up about this trip. You're always bragging about it. You're like, oh, I went to Mexico 11 years ago. Unbelievable. I've been to Mexico like five, five or six times, but this one trip was probably the most, like most he of just them. Won't, he won't stop bragging about it, folks. Oh, I've been to Mexico five. <laughs> Five or six times. Oh. Yeah, I, it's a country I like a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But this is one of those. This is a site that I was invited or I, I, I was thinking about going to and then didn't have time. So I didn't oh. end up seeing it, despite the fact that like, like I deprioritized it just enough that I couldn't fit it into my itinerary for when I went to Mexico City. And now I feel bad because uh, as I did the research, it turns out to be really cool. So oh, now who's got egg <laughs> on their face? Yeah. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about the Cholula Pyramid. I love it. Yeah. The Cholula Pyramid. It's very fun. It's got all sorts of stuff that I really like. It's got uh, some really cool archaeology. It's got ties to some weird ancient alien and supernatural stuff. Okay. And it also is like a living symbol of one of the 
coolest parts about Mexico and Mexican culture mm. that I am very excited to to talk about. But yeah, uh, we're going to talk about the Cholula Pyramid today. Which, That's exciting. Yeah. So uh, first, I'm going to go through the ancient aliens account about Please what do. they say that the Cholula is all about. And then we can get into what it actually is. So Cholula is like a matryoshka doll of pyramids. Uh, it's nested one on top of the other, uh, kind of like the one at Chichen Itza or uh, as they referred to also the one at Djoser Pyramid in Saqqara uh, of, mm. of TFB fame. <laughs> TFB. Uh, what a good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We've been to Saqqara a couple times on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, as well as the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Yep. Also a layered pyramid uh, or a layered structure where, you know, one temple built on the other temple. Uh, and that according to ancient aliens, these uh, sites are connected to a quote unquote world grid. Whoa. And that this grid can be traced uh, that knowledge of this grid can be traced all the way back to Plato. Whoa. The stuff that children play with. Someone had to make a, oh, a joke man. about that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, everyone. Sorry. It's a low hanging fruit. Yeah. I, but if I don't make that joke, someone's going to be like, how come you didn't make that joke? Yeah. Non-toxic. Extremely salty. But Plato did write that there were uh, sacred places in the world deliberately placed on a world grid. But uh, most famously in the 1960s, a guy by the name of Ivan T. Anderson tried to actually take Plato's planetary grid and map it out himself. Uh, according to ancient aliens, they found that there were over 3,000 stone structures on Earth that found uh, that they all fit on this global grid. Whoa. Yeah. That's, that's uh, a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Stone structures built on the geometric. Now, are you going to pull the rug out from under me and say that like this is exactly what happened with the ley line stuff where it's like if you connect things together, they make a line. That is a weird thing about lines, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but uh, we, we are actually, uh, I, I, I won't spoil some stuff, but uh, we are actually going to talk about the lines more next week. Oh. Uh, we cover what is what basically Ivan T. Anderson started, which was called uh, World Grid Theory. World Grid. It sounds, out of all like the theories and conspiracies and things that we've like talked about, this one sounds the most like just name-wise, it needs an update. Like that's not very catchy. We've talked before about how a lot of ancient astronaut theorists are really good with like catchy clickbait titles. W- World Grid theory it just sounds like you're talking about like longitude and latitude or something yeah for real so these grid these these things are also not just randomly placed around the world they are attached to apparently places of power or important power spots what that means mm, i don't know big big power power spots yeah, yeah of power course. spots um and that researchers again researchers just they they did they throw that out there uh, <laughs> people quotes, yeah. people who research people who um, just like to look to to read about things and say things people People who just say things. Yeah. Uh, apparently, according to quote unquote researchers, uh, ancient cultures connected their temples with a circuit and use that to accumulate power uh, in the structure. This is this is I just got to say, I'm reading the uh, the st- I think I'm, I mentioned this last episode, too. I'm reading The Stone Sky right now, which is a novel uh, that takes uh-huh. place in a world where basically they make an energy source out of like the Earth's power and use like a system of crystal obelisks to do it. And so I'm getting mm. some major vibes uh, from this. So yes, 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 yes. So you're saying not to interrupt, but when they're saying world grid, they're saying a world like 
power grid, like electricity or or just power in some capacity. Yes, power in some capacity, but also is on some sort of grid, uh, like with lines and such. Gotta have lines. So they believe that somehow this grid receives, quote unquote, energy from the solar system or from the universe. How? Next thing. Next Um, thing. (laughs) The overall design of these structures is that the globe must have been overseen by extraterrestrials uh, because, you know, why would you make space things? And that makes sense to me. That checks out. mm -hmm. And so that all the the way that all these are structured on Earth, you know, ancient people could not have figured out grids or um, or sorry, like to build a like, you know, power. If if you could just harness energy of the universe by making a grid, I could definitely argue that maybe ancient peoples would not have been able to figure that one out since we can't figure it out today. We can't do that right now. We're trying. No, Uh, but it does mean that there was probably an extraterrestrial involved. And apparently, according to the researchers uh this system this grid is still functional today and if i recall correctly in a uh, a few episodes ago you mentioned that people wrote as if uh ufos were going to the temple mount to recharge because there was like a power source underneath it oh well you no 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 it was so that theory that comes from our ark of the covenant episode and that theory was almost the opposite of this so it doesn't it doesn't even make sense because that theory was that the ark of the covenant itself is a power source but it needs to be recharged so aliens come to earth every couple millennia or whatever to recharge it so that almost feels like it's the opposite of what this is which is if if under the temple mount is some sort of power source then we wouldn't need an alien to come and charge up the ark of the covenant yeah we can make our own grid this and is that assumes I'm... that the ark of the covenant's <laughs> even there yeah so this is sort of building on the whole uh thing in ancient aliens which is that they make claims that are mutually exclusive with each other sometimes mm-hmm. but yeah um but one of these sites is uh the little known place of cholula and the cholula pyramid mm, i'm and not familiar with this place oh oh boy it is a it is a fun looking place um so we're going to talk about cholula one of uh mexico's hidden cultural delights and um i don't know we're going to learn a little bit about is what that makes... where the is that where the hot sauce comes from well cholula is a name of the city that is around okay. the pyramid as well so i imagine that cholula hot sauce is probably made there okay i um, like it it's good sauce probably i think that that is that that is the hot sauce that uh we cannot get here in canada and so when i'm in the oh. u.s i always want it because it's oh, really good yeah in the u.s we are just we are goaded with the sauce i think that might be tapatio actually but that's a different thing <laughs> um anyways this is called the great pyramid of cholula uh-huh. uh it's it's big it's pyramidy it's great its original name was and i um this is going to be a little bit of uh, uh me digging into his, was uh uh Tlapet, uh which was the nahuatl word for made by hand mountain okay that's good made by hand mountain i can pronounce that one mm-hmm. so it's actually instead of being like a singular pyramid it's more of a complex and it's located in the city of cholula which is in the state of Puebla in the United States of Mexico. Okay. Cholula, the name itself actually has its origin in the uh, same name as um, as uh, as earlier, which is Nahuatl, which is sort of the indigenous language of central Mexico. Um, gotcha. And it originally comes from the uh, Nahuatl word uh, Chololan, which means place of refuge. 
you might know uh, Nahuatl because they have made a lot uh, a lot of their words and names for things are things that we have um, implemented into our own language, like uh, words like tomato and oh, chipotle. I've heard of these. And um, cacahuate, which is sort of the Spanish word for peanut. Um, can, I, can I tell you, I had a friend in college who was insistent in an unironic way, not trolling at all, insistent that Chipotle actually was Chipotle, like as if you swapped the L and the T around, insistent that it was pronounced Chipotle. If you uh, read enough Nahuatl, you know that that TL sound is very big in their language. Doesn't that just drive you wild? Oh, yeah, like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I am all for, you know, as long as we, language is fluid and as long as we understand what each other are trying to say, blah, blah, blah. I get it, right? But Chipotle? Chipotle. Get out of here. Get out of here. Yeah. I can't stand for that. Um, the more common one that you probably will know from uh, Nahuatl is the famous little Mexican salamander that is adorable called an axolotl. Um, <gasps> I love axolotls. Who doesn't? Yeah, I mean, technically the pronunciation is axolot, but uh, but but when it gets moved to English, we kind of just pronounce the L. So that's how axolotl comes through. Axolotl is very cute. Yeah, yeah they're adorable. Um, so yeah, like Nahuatl is like a really cool language that has a yeah. lot of um, a lot of it is the big language of like the Aztec Empire and stuff like that. Absolutely. Um, Thank you for axolotls. Yeah, um, Cholula is the largest pyramid. Actually, actually, it's just the largest archaeological site that contains a pyramid in the New World. Really? Um, yeah, this is um, this is this is where this is where the things like for a site that is so understudied. Uh huh. It's a chunky boy. It's actually the largest pyramid in the world by volume. Really? Uh, so it's a bit of a chub, you know? It's a, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's got girth, not length. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not very tall, but it's very, very wide is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. It's about 25 meters tall or 82 okay. American feet. Thank you. Uh, which is way shorter than the Great Pyramid of Giza, which is the tallest pyramid in the world at uh, 146.6 meters or 481 feet. Much, much, much shorter. This is a squat little guy. Yeah. But the Great Pyramid of Giza is uh, 230.3 by 240, sorry, 230.3 square, like on every side meters or or 756 feet. Uh, Cholula is 300 by 315 meters or 984 by 1,033 feet. That's a lot. That's Mm -hmm. so big. Yes, if you were to find its three-dimensional volume, it contains about 4.45 million cubic meters of material. And what's wild about it is that most of it is made of adobe brick, uh, which is essentially brick made from mud. Oh. So pretty impressive. Is that another, is that another word from that language, adobe? I actually don't know if adobe comes from, uh, uh, from Nahuatl, but now I'm going to find out. Let's find out. No, it comes from Spanish. It comes from the comes word from adobar, which means to plaster. Right, that's which funny. actually, uh, very funny because uh, like in a lot of ways with Spanish, uh, with a lot of surprising amount of words in Spanish, adobe uh-huh. comes from adobar, which is the verb to make, to uh, to plaster. But the word itself actually comes from Arabic, which is the word uh, atub, which means um, to uh, basically bricks, the bricks. Oh, that's fun. Um, yeah. Language is fun. S- Spanish and Arabic, very, very, um, you know, languages that spend a lot of time with each other and such Mm -hmm. um anyways back to this pyramid um so you're probably wondering oh man how big how build big pyramid how Um, big how (laughs) 
how, how, how triangle so chunky? How big how, is a chunky pyramid? How make squat triangle? How, how make, make squat triangle? <laughs> So the, the, the thing about it, and this is super cool, and this sort of explains all of these like layered Matryoshka doll style pyramids, which is that they were built um, basically on top of each other. This sort of complex was built in a four stage process that began sometime around the third century BC, uh, BCE, sorry, and probably stopped construction around the ninth century AD. Oh, wow. So that's for a long time. Yeah, a long period of time. Long time. And and it's not like it was all one project. Basically, what they what do they done uh, when they sort of have dug into uh, the pyramid, which sort of actually just looks from the outside like a hill. Uh Um, They found that there are over six like there's six different constructs inside the pyramid. So basically six, six times over the years, the uh, the people who live there built their pyramids like on top of the older one. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just occurred to me to Google a picture of it uh, so I can actually see what we're looking at. Oh, this thing's cool. This yeah. is actually not, it's kind of not what I was expecting. Um, but I, yeah, I see the different sort of, I see at least some, what looks to be like kind of layers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like an onion or an ogre, it has layers. Um, exactly. And they can tell that there are different levels of construction because as they like dig around it, they can find things like uh, various types of skeletons and offerings and different types of ceramics that show that this was probably mm-hmm. a site of some sort of uh, reverence, some sort of religious site. Um, and that's that's basically what they've they've come to the conclusion that it was in pre-Hispanic times. It was probably a, an important religious mythical area uh, and that over a period of a thousand years, they just did different types of construction and phases that built it up until it was this, you know, big chunky boy that is today yeah whoa this is cool i saw i found an image i'll have to save this uh so that i can tweet it out but there's like uh images of like cross section like people have mocked up cross sections uh to see all the different layers inside yeah this Mm -hmm. thing's really cool yeah uh and some ceramics show that it was linked to the city of teotihuacan which is a place i have been uh which has its own pyramids and it was like this other little society stop folks i have mentioned that i've been to teotihuacan before uh Mm -hmm. that one i have that one i have said i uh, and it does seem that they existed contemporaneously and that they both probably had a period of decline around the same time. Um, but at its peak, Cholula probably hosted about 100,000 people in this area. Mm-hmm. And even after the decline, people still stayed there. And there's evidence that even after um, a like, you know, a precipitous decline, people there still uh, believed that it was man-made, which was not the case at Tallulah, or uh, sorry, was not the case at uh, Teotihuacan. At Teotihuacan, the sort of generations afterwards started to believe that it was made by like the gods, while mm. they were aware that uh, Cholula was a uh, man-made site, hence its Yeah, name. they knew they made it, yeah. Um, and they still, like they didn't forget about it. They still used it as a religious site. There are signs that they like, you know, they still buried their dead in that area and that kind of stuff. So it was still sort of a holy site for um, the people who live in the people who the Cholulanos. I don't know what the term would be, but um, yeah, yeah, I get you. Still very important. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And later on uh, in the post-classical period, as it's called in Mesoamerican studies, the pyramid got its new name of uh, I'm going to try this one again. Tlachihualtepet. Uh, which is stands for man-made mountain. So that's how we know that it was. They they know it was made by people. Is that yeah? It has that handmade name? mountain? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, through studies, we probably found that it was dedicated to the god Quetzalcoatl. Um, which might be if you I've know been if you know any that wrong. I've if, been pronouncing that wrong too. It's those L's at the end. Yes, I, Quetzalcoatl. 
It, it, so that's that's the thing that a lot of English like I only know this because I like studied this language a little bit. Um, uh-huh. But like the TL at the end of the word is supposed to be kind of like a like a, like a Quetzalcoatl, like a like a kind of uh, abrupt. I kind of get you. Yeah. Um, so Quetzalcoatl uh, is probably if you know a single Mesoamerican god, it's probably him. Yeah. If if you if you learned uh, about him in American or I assume other place uh, school, but at least for me in American school growing up. Uh, it would be pronounced Quetzalcoatl. Yep. Quetzalcoatl. But nope, Kristen's <laughs> ruining all my fun today. Oh, boy. I'm just kidding. I'm having fun. Yeah, it's, it's so though. So Quetzalcoatl is a Aztec. Um, it's sort of hard to say. He's not really like a, he's sort of a deity. He's sort of a god, but he also might be like a kind of like savior figure and also might have been a real person. It's mm-hmm. kind of it's it's murky in this. But uh, Quetzalcoatl basically means precious serpent or a Quetzal feathered serpent. Um, a Quetzal is a, a species of bird that have these very beautiful sort of green blue feathers along lot of uh, headdresses in Mexico, uh, especially those of like powerful leaders like Moctezuma, the, the famous Aztec king. Was, uh, would have a headdress made of Quetzal feathers. Wow, um, I googled this as well, and I am impressed. Yeah. This is, these look, vi- man, man, this is fun. Thank you for uh, bringing good stuff to my 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 search history after yeah, I've been uh, after I've been <laughs> knee deep researching uh, a bunch of other stuff uh, for videos that is not as pleasant as looking at a nice bird. Yeah, I I love Mexico. I love Mexican mythology and stuff like that. So this is this is my happy place. Um, Quetzalcoatl, if if anyone doesn't know his portray, like the portrayal of him is usually as a uh, Quetzal feathered uh, snake, basically like a flying snake that is covered in beautiful iridescent feathers. I'm sure you, people have seen that image. It's used a lot in fantasy fantasy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But Quetzalcoatl is in like a lot of Aztec deities is uh, representative of a lot of different things, uh, usually related to the god of the wind, usually uh, Venus, uh, the dawn, or just like the general eastward direction. Mm-hmm. This is why um, I don't know the, I don't know if this is apocryphal or not, but there are some people who thought that the Aztecs believed the Spanish to be the uh, the return of Quetzalcoatl, and that's why they didn't like kill them immediately. Oh, interesting! Because they arrived from the east, and that's where they thought the direction that Quetzalcoatl would come from. And cardinal directions are very important in Aztec, um, like uh, like cosmology, basically. And also uh, is you know the god of merchants, arts, crafts, uh, knowledge, and also tends to be the god of the priesthood. So just covers a lot of things. A lot of yeah, the god. I didn't know there was a god of arts and crafts that's yeah. fun they have a lot of like in aztec things because it's sort of like a, a mishmash of a whole lot of different religious traditions together a lot of their gods have multiple different purposes and multiple different uh things and even they even overlap like i always think that um their chief god which which is named witz of the Puchtli, was a god of war and poetry and flowers and left-handedness and hummingbirds so like <laughs> just a lot of stuff yeah, yeah. a lot of stuff to keep track of yeah a lot and so what a lot of what we know about this site comes from uh, a these very rare codices. Uh, the one that we're looking at is the Toltec Chichimec history. Codices are sort of um, indigenous writings that survived the Spanish conquest in some okay. fashion, usually written 
written shortly after the conquest. A lot of, this is gonna make you real mad, uh, a lot of the writing, a lot of the um, hieroglyphics and stuff like that, uh, especially of the Nahuatl region, was destroyed uh, when the Spanish showed up because it was, you know, heretical, uh, mm. pagan, satanic, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it was destroyed and the very few things that have survived um, are very precious, obviously. Uh, yeah, I can imagine so. So according to the Codex, uh, they believe that they said that there was a lord who uh, lived this pyramid by the name of Akiak Apane, uh, Amapane. So that, that's that's sure. a fun, that's a thing. Uh, and according to this, uh, in the 12th century, uh, the Toltec Chichima, uh, Chichimecas took over the city and they moved religious focus away from the pyramid and towards a different temple, which means that uh, locals abandoned the pyramid, but they still buried their deceased around it, which means that it still had some sort of like reverence, even if it wasn't being used as a place of worship. Uh, mm. and, but it was abandoned to the extent that by the time the Spanish arrived, the pyramid had basically been overgrown and uh, undisturbed. And one of the interesting things about it, and this is sort of one of the reasons people go to Cholula, is that in the 16th century, the Spanish built a church on top of it. Oh, just right on top, just popped it right on top of that, that bad boy. Yeah. Uh, and um, today it looks like a hill with a church on top of it. I will get to it. That's not as that's not as terrible as you think. Um, okay. Uh, the, the, the one that makes me more angry is that the Cathedral of Mexico was built from the stones of the Templo Mayor, the giant pyramid in Tenochtitlan. Yeah. I, I think we've talked about that yeah. one before. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but they and then they didn't even find uh, that ruins of the Templo Mayor until like the 70s. Uh, it's wild uh, because mm-hmm. it's, it's also like right by the presidential palace in Mexico City. So like there's this huge archaeological site that's in the center of the largest city in North America. <laughs> um, God, if you ever get a chance, go to Mexico City. Like if everyone goes to Mexico, goes to like, you know, the Yucatan and like, you know, for the resorts, and the uh-huh. beaches. but Mexico City is is really, really cool. Mr. Travel Guide over here. <laughs> I know Mexico like the back of my hand. Well, I wouldn't go that far. But like looking through it, like they have seen that on the site, there are as many as 400 human burials found, most coming from the sort of this sort of post-classical period, which means that it was used as sort of a, a center of worship, even after it was discontinued as used as a temple. And uh, also a number a number of these bodies are probably uh, human sacrifices because we can find that um, the, the human sacrifice is just a part of central Mexican uh, religious life. Uh, I don't want to sure. I don't want to glamorize it or, or, you know, dig too much into it. It's a pravity. It's just, it's a thing. It was part of their religious uh, experience. But yeah. we did find mangled body parts and uh, decapitated skulls, which is usually an implication that there was some sort of human sacrifice going on. Um, mm-hmm. They've probably found uh, disarticulated remains representing about 46 different individuals that were found in the altar, uh, which has people of all sexes and ages. And you find things, and this is how you can see signs that there probably was, like, that it has religious significance, is that you find things like eight skeletons found under a slab that is the floor of, like, one of the courtyards, which is, like, a sign that they, like, maybe did that sacrifice to sort of consecrate this area. Oh. Um, this is parts where, this is where things get a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, messed up, which is that... Um, the skeletons there, they, came back. Well, that... With uh, a vengeance. In this specific place is that a number of these were the skeletons of children. Um, uh, that were put in ceram- their bodies were then put in ceramic pots. And that is uh, because in uh, sort of Nahuatl uh, religious life, children are believed to be the messengers of a god by the name of Tlaloc, who has servants called Tlaloke, who are sort of like these small uh, water sprite type things that, um, that, that children are then associated with. And unfortunately, Tlaloc also happens to be the god of rain, which means that sacrifices to Tlaloc typically happen when 
there are times of drought and um, central oh. Mexico is a fairly arid region. So, um, ch- so yeah, the sacrificing of young children uh, in times of like uh, drought was uh, not unheard of. Not great. No. Um, it's also keep in mind that we are dealing with a very different um, culture and religious worldview that existed hundreds of years ago. So yeah. you have to sort of see things with at least some uh, perspective. Yeah, we can't we can't just look upon it with our own modern eyes and 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 just be like, stop it, yeah, stop it, no, bad. Mm-hmm. You know, we weren't there. We don't know. Very different time, very different place. And uh, there's sort of like a, a good way to say is that um, the past is almost like another planet. Understanding the cultures of people hundreds of years ago is just very very foreign to ourselves. We like if we were teleported back a hundred years, we would have trouble recognizing the society that existed, let alone absolutely uh, hundreds of years ago. Oh so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't want to. I, I know I feel like I keep bringing this up, but Emily and I are watching uh, through Outlander, which is pretty much this exact premise of being teleported back two hundred years and uh, f- and just trying to figure it out and just and just live live life and uh, have and just bone a lot. They bone a lot in the show, hmm. so that's pretty good. Yeah, you liked. Uh, you were a fan of Bridgerton too, right? Bridgerton is why we started watching Outlander. We so you've got, a, we, you've got a, you've got a type. You like you like the bony shows. We 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 needed a, another period drama slash romance. You uh, needed another horny period drama. I get we it. We did. We did. <laughs> So yeah, those are the big basics of the site, but uh, we're going to go through it now layer by layer. Oh, we're going to cut it open. We're going to yeah. cut it. This is that show. Is it cake? Is And we're going to see all the layers <laughs> of this cake. Cut it to see if it's cake. <laughs> see if it's cake. We're going to oh, do that man. right after this. All right, let's let's taste let's taste this this tasty cake. Also, I don't know if you can tell we we made a joke at the beginning about how our audio might not be the best. Uh, I live in an apartment, and my neighbor throughout this whole episode has been blasting some like ambient ambient. I can chill. hear it. I can you hear can it. Hear I feel it. like I'm like I'm like I was I was wondering. I'm like, are you in a spa? Like it feels like you're in a spa. <laughs> it's like spa music. I hope I can cut it out. I can't get. He's, he is the loudest neighbor on the planet, and he has oh, no man. respect for other people's auditory space, especially me, a guy with a podcast. How dare he? Oh, boy. Um, did you watch Is It Cake on Netflix? I've not seen Is It Cake. It uh, feels like a show. It feels like a show that's a parody of what shows are. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? I haven't watched it, but I apparently, uh, or I do know this, that somebody who, I, one of my former co-workers is one of the sh- uh, the the bakers on that show so i got like a bit of a oh, connection wild. there oh that's yeah. fun so if you the, watch the show and you liked april april and i used to work together at one oh, point that's so, awesome. yeah now i feel like i have to watch it i bet it's very fun and april's very cool so if you are backing anybody yeah i mean now i'll only watch it for april so yeah yeah, yeah. um let's so cut yeah, into this let's, let's cut yeah. into this pyramid so uh the oldest one is uh pier- is called building uh, so there's the archaeology name which is building a um <laughs> 
extremely great name. Yeah. Or uh, the other name that it has is the nickname La, La Conejera. Okay. So this one was discovered in the 1950s. Um, it's not directly underneath the other layers of the pyramids. This is the part where like ancient aliens like the thing it's like, oh, it's like all articulated. Like, you know, it's all perfect to make this thing. And it's like some of these are like off center and things like that. Like it was a complex that then had a pyramid built over top of it, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's not directly under the other layers. And it's rather like um, it's um, it's under another structure, which is called the Edificio Rojo, otherwise known as the Red Building. So it's kind of more in the northeast corner. Mm. And it's the oldest off center part of the pyramid uh, built with adobe, which, as I said, is just essentially uh, the description that was given to me by Wikipedia was that uh, it's <laughs> a building material made from earth and organic materials, which basically means mud. <laughs> some, uh, some mud bricks. Studies of it show that it probably dates to around the year 200 BCE. So that would be about 2200 years ago and that the base are um they probably suspect that it was painted black at some point um, but you'll notice that's not a whole lot that's, that's not, not a whole, a whole lot. lot of information and that will continue to be the case um building why was it why was it pl- painted black was it for fun was it f- to add racing stripes to it so it could go faster yeah so these are racing stripes to make the pyramid go faster mm-hmm. uh makes the power go up um it makes that well if they're all connected to the earth then maybe it's making the earth go faster if we put racing stripes all across the earth i bet it would go faster i bet it would spin faster (laughs) and then time goes faster and And then time goes faster yeah it's perfect and i don't know if that's good or bad but i think it's worth trying yeah superman move aside um the other the other site we have here is uh building b which uh also goes by the nickname of the pyramid of the painted skulls um Mm -hmm. this one is uh a few meters from uh la conejera and it essentially is um like when they built this they they when they built this and expanded upon it they basically just built it on top of La Conejera and the Edificio Rojo. Um, so they basically just built this on top of those buildings. Just piled it on, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the this one was built probably sometime between two and 300 B, uh, CE, so uh-huh. several centuries later. Uh, and it's uh, sort of a uh, adobe nucleus with a sort of seven-layer, uh, seven, mm-hmm. like seven-layer uh, uh, pyra- uh, sort of pyramid thing. Because like how you pyramids- You can say cake. You can say yeah, cake. Seven-layer dip um, uh-huh. of, uh, of pyramid. Like, I don't know if you know how um, Mexican pyramids look, but they kind of go up and then they kind of come in and they go up and come in. Gotcha. So, yeah. It's not the it's not the straight diagonal of yeah. like uh, Egypt pyramids. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the outside is finished with adobe as in rocks. Uh, probably also use lime, smooth it over with like dirt and lime so that it can be like nice and white so that they could paint on it. Oh. And the highest part of it seems to have some skulls painted on it, uh, which gives it its name, the 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 pyramid of the or the the built the pyramid of the painted skulls that's what do we know why no but apparently they're so damaged that when they were first discovered they were thought to be grasshoppers but later they realized they're actually like highly stylized human skulls and skulls show up a lot in uh central mexican uh Uh like temples and religious structures um i actually saw this when i saw the temple mayor they have like this little pyramid that's like uh that like the outside is all um like stone skulls that they've carved Uh it's really cool do you think there is like In my head, it's like the person who was studying it first was just like, oh, whoa, they have painted grasshoppers on it. And all the other researchers just like grasshoppers. That, that's so boring. That's so childish. <laughs> you got grasshoppers. And it's like, um, what I meant to say was they were sc- they're skulls, actually. They're, they're like, <laughs> they're, they're cool. They're cool and they're badass skulls on this one. So actually, you're the fool. Um <laughs> 
Yeah, like, I feel like it's one of those cases where, like, and this is one of the things about archaeology that I'm always in, always supremely impressed by, which is that they'll take, like, an image or, like, a thing where, like, 95% of it is destroyed. There's, like, a few flecks, and they'll be able to, like, fill in, like, a huge amount somehow. Oh, yeah. through like They do, like, the enhance, and it'll just, like, fill in the gaps mm-hmm. where wherever it is. Yeah. Um, so uh, this place apparently looked pretty, like pretty wild because the skulls were apparently painted, uh, red and yellow. And then they were like on this, like kind of black background, all facing forward on the temple and then had these like arrow shaped markers above them to indicate that there's just like a sort of direction. So like pointing, Mm -hmm. uh, pointing East and pointing West and that, Mm. um, and that the, then the different sides of the pyramid were all colored, different colors. Like one side was, was red. One side was green. One side was ochre, which like again shows like probably the importance of the cardinal directions and all sorts of like, like oh, just, sure. just the image of it shows like it's like a really colorful structure yeah and on it is the uh the altar of the sculpted skulls that was discovered in 1932 um or in the 1930s and so yeah, like it's it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool um object. It sounds cool. Yeah. And also uh in there we have found the remains of a man and a woman. Um and that's very interesting because what it had was a uh, a female skeleton was found there that had stuff like uh kamals, bone needles, spindles and pots mm-hmm. and a male skeleton that had stuff that were designed for things like uh, ritual vessels and like a vase and obsidian arrowheads, uh, a musical instrument um called a uh, Omeshiko Watsli, um, which is like, Nailed um, it. yeah, which basically implies this was probably some sort of like famous warrior. Uh, it also had oh. the jawbone of a, uh, uh, Cholitzkul, uh, oh my God. Okay. Uh, you're doing great. Choloitzkuintle dog, um, which is actually, uh, known today as a Mexican hairless dog, which is a breed of dog. I um, see you've, you've attached pictures to I this, pictures. Uh, because they're dog. cute. They are cute. Well, this one here, this one's not committing to the hairless thing. It's got a little tuft of hair right on its head, a little mm-hmm. mohawk. That's cute. Oh, man. That's a cool, great. It's a cool connection in history that like there's this breed of dog in Mexico that is uh, the Mexican hairless dog that is um, still like revered. And in ancient times, they were thought of as these sort of uh, gods that represented the, um, the underworld. They were guides yeah. to the underworld, which means that this temple was most likely a mausoleum for these two people probably oh. for that uh, very famous warrior um that's cool that makes that, sense. that's how archaeologists figure stuff out that's awesome mm-hmm. um the next one we got here is building c otherwise known as the pyramid of the nine stories oh and it was built over top of pyramid of, of building b let keep it on going yeah, so keep layering it on mm-hmm. let's bring it let's do it so it was built probably sometime in the fourth or fifth century ce and it is um bigger in volume than the pyramid of the moon of teotihuacan which is the the smaller of the two big pyramids at Teotihuacan. Wow. I read that script wrong briefly and I thought you were going to say it's bigger in volume than the moon. In than the just moon. the moon. Just the moon. Not the pyramid of the moon. Just the moon that Earth has. And that would have <laughs> really impressed me that I had not really heard of this thing. Oh boy. Um, the moon is about the size of Africa. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we found a structure that was the size of Africa, uh, like a man-made structure that'd be uh yeah i feel like i would have heard about it Mm -hmm. yeah so so, um teotihuacan the the two pyramids are called the pyramid of the moon and the pyramid of the sun Uh, just the whole thing 
Um, but yeah, it had uh, it was actually a radial pyramid, which means it had stairways on all four sides. And it also was very colorful. Um, and then uh, at some point it was abandoned or at least buried over top of with nothing else. And that sort of uh, collapsed in on it. OK, sorry. Oh, uh, what happened was is that they it, there looks like there probably is something that was built over top, but it collapsed because it was the last thing there when everything was abandoned. So it kind of just looks like a hill and we don't really have a whole lot from that one. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. On the south side, though, there is building D, okay. which uh, apparently also um, has on three sides of it black paint with one side being orange and have these murals on them, but um, these murals on them that have um, don't have figures, but they have something. Uh, they have like black cornices. I'm not exactly sure what those are, but um, cornices. But like a lot, like I said, there's like a lot of like cool art and all that kind of stuff going on. Um, uh, just like some ornamental molding around the room. Okay. Yeah. And that... again, the interior was painted all sorts of, of wacky colors. And uh, wacky what's inter- to you, you just don't see the artist's yeah. vision. But what's interesting about this one is that um, as it was built over they sort of filled it with all sorts of stuff and essentially at the moment uh for for a little while anyway they thought that it was going to collapse because they had built so much stuff over top of it (laughs) um can i guess the next building's name sure so we've done a b c and d i have to imagine the next building is building e that's correct it's building i (laughs) oh man what (laughs) how did Um, they get to i i don't know but it was a it's this is a very small we don't really know a whole lot about this one it was only really excavated for a period of about six months at one point though mm-hmm. we'll show i'll tell you in a little bit about it's kind of difficult to do archaeology at this site um and it had some ceramics found around it that are temp that are probably similar to that found at the altar of the um sculpted skulls which means that it was probably built late in cholula's pre-hispanic period and apparently they show that uh the this this pyramid and the other one show that even after it had been abandoned after the um after this major conquest that happened earlier uh-huh. it was still used as a, a ritual site of some kind so this is like the le- the youngest of the buildings mm, the baby building mm-hmm and then there's also building F, which uh, is also. And now they go back to regular. Come on. I did, the I is an outlier for me, but all right. Mm. Building F. Sure. I think, yeah. Uh, and like this one was also built over. Um, this one's funny because it has the nick. It has a very fun nickname. It's it's nicknamed as um, the the concrete pyramid uh, because huh. uh, archaeologists tried to. Uh, this one was the was one of the later ones built probably between the sixth and eighth century. But one of the things that archaeologists try to do with it is reconstruct the site using cement. Okay. Um, apparently the reconstructions criticized for not being very historically accurate. No, I would imagine <laughs> so. It, it, it sounds like it's just being held together by, by yeah. yeah, by just concrete. Which like, I don't know, There there's some like very like uh, wonderful Mexican spirit in that. Um, and the fact that it has a nickname of the Tolteca Pyramid, which is a brand of concrete. <laughs> That's amazing, uh, actually. So you're saying uh, they, they, they were like fortifying it with concrete but like it was it wasn't like a I mean how modern were they doing that at uh, oh like like in recent times like this is their attempt like they tried to reconstruct this little building and they did it using cement specifically the Tolteca brand of cement that's amazing (laughs) yeah yeah and so like all of this uh, according to ancient aliens is like part of this world network uh, and says that Chulula is part of it which has something which has to do with that world grid theory I talked about Um, yeah another another word 
word I've heard used is the vile cortices, which is a better word, I think. Oh, that's, yeah, that sounds interesting. That sounds way more interesting than mm-hmm. world grid theory, vile cortices. Now that sounds cool. Yeah, and I decided uh, stupidly on my part that after I did all of the Cholula research, I'm like, all right, all right I'm going to go to the world grid theory. And then I kind of just figured, I found it was like, it's a whole thing. That would it's be a whole like, thing. Yeah, and this episode's already running long, so... Uh, it's going to have to be uh, an episode Ooh. in and of itself, uh, which we'll talk about next week. Subscribe, folks. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, listen to more podcasts. Consume. Um, the other thing that's really cool about Cholula, and this is usually the thing that tourists talk about because most of that stuff you can't see. You can't really see a whole lot of this stuff because it's been, you know, there's a hill on top of it now. But there yeah. is a church built on top of it called Iglesia de Nuestra Señora de los Remedios, which stands for, uh, which is Spanish for the Church of Our Lady of Remedies. Okay. Uh, it has another name also, which is the uh, Santuario de la Verdian de los Remedios, or uh, the Sanctuary of the Virgins of Remedies. All right. So um, this is where we get into like one of the kind of interesting parts of Mexican history. And part of, even though this is sort of uh, an ethnic ca- cleansing or a sort of like a cultural genocide campaign, uh, it did result mm. in the beautiful mosaic that is current Mexican culture. So this pyramid at the time of the arrival of the Spanish was a, sacred spot to a rain goddess by the name of uh, Chico Nahuanquit which is the goddess of the nine rains. I'm sorry. Uh, Nahuatl is an extremely hard language to pronounce. It looks hard. (laughs) Every word that you've said has about 20 letters in it. So (laughs) that's... And a lot of like just vowel, 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 vowel. It's a lot. I think you're doing, you're doing way better than what anything I could do. So, so, so this, this is, this is an example of a thing that happened in a lot of places across Mexico. So this Mm -hmm. was a temple to this God. Uh, I don't think this is Sheila Killowy. I think that's the moon goddess. Um, Anyways, um, then what happened is that they took this site that was holy to the people in Cholula, to this rain goddess. And, and just replaced all of the images of her with the Virgin Mary or or, or sort of the image oh. of what's called the Virgin of the Remedies. They decided to keep the same date of the old rain goddess for her veneration, the 8th of September. Uh, but then they just transferred it and made it the image of the Virgin Mary. Um, and this led to a lot of because this is part of something called the um, the spiritual conquest of Mexico. Right. Where the Spanish, um, the Spanish arrived and, and conquered uh, Mexico. And when they did so um this was sort of before colonization really had its own processes and stuff and the spanish did colonization very differently it was very medieval and they were this was like very close to the time of the spanish inquisition So much Mm -hmm. so that there was only one indigenous person who had ever been tried and executed by the Spanish Inquisition. And it was such a fiasco that uh, they decided to actually say that as new Christians, um, indigenous people can't be tried under the Spanish Inquisition. But like, that's how close it like the Spanish Inquisition was going on during this time. So Spain, very, very religious. And then arriving in this continent where there's this entire new culture that is completely alien to uh, Christianity and has... uh, spiritual practices like the human sacrifices that were considered like absolute like they thought it was 
was absolutely satanic. Uh, they thought that they were worshiping literal demons because of this stuff. And uh, they and you see like writings from these like uh, Franciscan monks in the 15th or 16th century just being like, oh, like um, we decided to replace this rain goddess with uh, or replace Tlaloc with the Virgin Mary. And now we don't know what to do because they're sacrificing children to the Virgin Mary. <laughs> it's like, it's oh, not no, because, you know, they're 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 just sort of like folk ways and they're sort of like method of doing sure. religion. Um, yeah. The person who um, the person who the only person who had been uh, killed by the Spanish Inquisition, who was indigenous, was a noble who basically was fighting against um, the Spanish because they were trying to get rid of polygamy uh, in uh, amongst the sort of oh. like nobility uh, as technobility specifically. And mm-hmm. if you think about it, like they had their whole established society that had polygamy as part of their their culture. And then the Spanish show up and they're like, all right, all of you have to change. Uh, choose one of your wives and and go with your favorite one. Yeah. And as you can imagine, uh, amongst nobility that who you are married to, uh, has like, you know, political and like, there's all sorts of like significance about the people you choose to marry. Right. Yeah. And so you can imagine that that was, uh, a little bit of a shit show. Um, yeah, I can, uh, I can imagine. (laughs) And it was probably seen, I've seen a season or two of sister wives. So (laughs) I understand how this stuff goes down. Mm -hmm. And, and so this, guy tried to um this guy tried this is a total side story but this guy basically tried to uh like speak out against the spanish and wanted to make his sort of own catholic order that would be like sort of distinct like kind of like he compared it to like the 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 franciscans uh and these like different orders like we're gonna make our own order that in that kind of follows our own spiritual practices but also as the catholicism and then all of a sudden a bunch of idols were found under his house and he was executed <laughs> it's like oh interesting hmm. very convenient hmm. And uh, yeah, the um, the Inquisitor at the time, Juan de Zumarraga, was um, was uh, very promptly fired for this because killing mm. a major Aztec nobility while they're trying to like sort everything out is um, bad. Yeah, um, not a great move. No. So there's a lot of stuff like this in the Spanish um, spiritual conquest of Mexico where they took stuff that was being worshipped by the people there at the time and sort of glommed Catholicism onto it. And there's nothing more literal about this than and Cholula, where they literally built a church on top of the pyramid. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty uh, pretty plain plain to read imagery. Mm-hmm. So uh, they built this church in 1594, directly on top of the temple. Uh, and apparently, and this is a fun like part of its history. Apparently, it has a uh, habit of getting struck by lightning. <laughs> oh my goodness! And that has led to rumors that uh, by building this church, they angered the rain goddess, and that the rain <laughs> goddess is punishing them by striking the church with lightning. This whole part of history, it, it it sounds it sounds like a part of a story you would read and and be like, you know, this is a bit too on the nose yeah. you know like the writer would be like uh subtext i don't know what that is uh this, this, sometimes reality has very bad writers but <laughs> yeah. the thing is is that uh cholula is still very important to uh the people who live there many who have you know ancestors who have lived there for the you know thousands of years that uh that this site has been important and now that many of them are catholic it has become uh, an important holy site to them still 
And it's also a major tourist attraction and uh, a source of pilgrimage, which is sort of a religious travel. And a lot of uh, a lot of Catholics come to Cholula to sort of like uh, you know, as a, the place of remedies. So you go there to try and heal your wound, heal, heal, heal your illnesses and stuff like that. Sure. Um, and also Cholula is so Cholula is a very holy Catholic site. And indigenous people still go there to practice their own uh, rituals. So there's a ritual um, called the Quetzalcoatl ritual, which every year they do on the spring equinox. And to this day can bring up to 20,000 people. Wow. Yeah. And overall, uh, Cholula, the site brings about 220,000 viewers. Like people come to see this place a year, either because they're they're tourists or because sure. they're pilgrims or, or, or various different reasons. And um, because of the importance of the church, it's been uh, designated a colonial monument, which means that uh, it's really hard to like nothing. Nothing can be restored, and it's very hard to excavate. So that's the reason why like there hasn't been a whole lot of work done on the Cholula Pyramid to really understand everything that's going on, because mm. uh, they basically declared the church that's built on top of it a sort of uh, heritage site, and so uh, archaeology on the pre-Columbian stuff underneath is a little hard to do. Gotcha. And even so, uh, the archaeology that they can do is usually done with tunnels. So a lot of what we do know about the pyramids have been done by the eight kilometers of Whoa. tunnels that have been excavated underneath. Tunnels. Now that's that's the way to go. Oh, we can't get in through normal means? Uh, we've got a way in. We've got a guy. Tunnel yeah. man. So this is, so as I said, this is a common thing that happened in what I what's called the spiritual conquest of Mexico, where they build Catholic stuff over top of uh, ain't st- like they take up thing that was sort of uh, sacred to the indigenous people and put a Catholic thing over top to sort of take that same religious uh, tentpole and just turn it to Catholicism. And this happened in Europe, too. That's why, like, we have mm-hmm. a lot of interesting Christian syncretism with like, traditional European religions. And this is why Christmas is on the old Roman festival of Saturnalia and like all that kind of stuff is because they right. to Christianize the Roman Empire. They just took the stuff that they were doing for their own religious rituals and just throw a Jesus on it. Yeah, and there put you go. some Jesus on it. Sprinkle some Jesus on there. Yeah. Uh, one of the most famous sites of this is the Basilica, Basilica of the Virgin of Guadalupe. Uh, which if you have heard of any of these sites, that's probably the one you've heard of. This is one I actually have seen um, where there's a story that an indigenous person was collecting some roses uh, uh, in his poncho and then his poncho folded open and this image of the Virgin Mary showed up. And this was sort of uh, interpreted by uh, people at the time that this was um, the Virgin Mary giving her uh, blessing to the indigenous peoples of Mexico. And now uh, the Basilica of Guadalupe that's built around this holy relic that that poncho is a huge religious site and it was built on top of an old uh Nahuatl like religious site as well <laughs> and Wait, you can even see it like when you go there you can even see like statues of Quetzalcoatl in this catholic um this catholic basilica is the poncho still there yeah 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 you can see they keep the poncho in like this frame it's like um that's awesome yeah yeah protestants don't know catholics are super into like relics and so um if you want to have a good catholic site you got to have the bones of a saint or something like that and this theirs is this um this poncho um that they believe miraculously uh had the image of um of the virgin mary on it oh that's cool yeah and it's one of the holiest sites in catholicism like oh dang yeah so uh the virgin remedies is the patron of the city of cholula and they have two major festivals related to uh 
not only the church, but also the pyramid. Uh, on the 8th of September, they come and honor the image. And on the 7th, on the night, uh, people come and spend the night with small lanterns. So they can greet the image on the 8th. And the other uh, ceremony they have is called the Bahada, which is when the image comes down the pyramid to visit neighborhoods in the city for two weeks in May and June. So like this is like some cool, cool stuff. And this speaks to what is probably one of the best things about Mexican culture that I mm -hmm. will always find myself blown away by every time I go and visit. And that is um, the amazing amount of syncretism between Catholicism and indigenous faiths that mark uh, so much of of, of culture. Like, for example, Dia de los Muertos, an old Aztec honoring of the dead, uh, is now, you know, like a fairly regular part of, of traditional Mexican life. And yeah. it is, it has, you know, its Christian roots are non-existent. It's like, you know, a very ancient um, thing. And the fact that like, like, uh, like I mentioned that a lot of like skull imagery shows up a lot in uh, pre-Columbian Mesoamerican uh, religious iconography. Mm -hmm. And I think you're, anybody's pretty well aware that skulls still play a large yes. role in like Mexican folk art. And uh, even like the most Mexican thing I could, I think I've ever seen is this shrine that's got like a Virgin Mary statue looking, you know, kind of Virgin Mary like, and then has like a bottle of Coca-Cola and a bunch of candles yes. and like a skull that's like yes. encrusted with gems. Yeah. It's like, this is the most Mexican thing I can ever see. It's one of the most beautiful yes. things I've laid my eyes upon. That's awesome. And that's like the part of that's like, awesome. Art. I will never get sick of seeing this kind of stuff when I go and go to Mexico. And every time I go to Mexico, I see new ways that this culture that is layers and layers of, of Spanish, of Catholic, of, of, uh, of, of, you know, of Nahua, of Maya, of Toltec, uh, uh like all of these different yeah. cultures and, and things like instead of like, instead of like eradicating each other, they just mixed in this like really cool, beautiful, colorful thing that is Mexico. And like, I feel like I can't imagine Mexico without thinking colors and feathers and skulls and Catholicism yeah. and like kind of like all that stuff together. And um, yeah, I don't know. This is, this is why I've been there so many times. I will never, ever get bored of it. Ah, oh, here he goes again, everyone. Keep on talking about it. Yeah. No, it sounds like a lovely place. I would love to go. I've not, I don't think I've left this. I, I've not left the United States ever. That will change very, very. Yeah, you're uh, going to Canada. I'm going to Canada very briefly. I'm going to Canada later this year. God, I can't get too much of that Canadian stink on me. You know what I'm saying? You're with yeah. me on that one, right, Tristan? You get it? <laughs> yep. Uh, um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I've got all sorts of stink on me these days. Uh -huh. um, yeah, today. Oh, man. Today, I or no, it was yesterday. I like was outdoors. Like uh, my wife and I uh, decided to go vote because there's an election here in Ontario soon. Yeah. And uh, we went to go to Starbucks, you know, a little family outing. And I realized part way that I'm like, oh, I have like a mustard stain on my shirt. And I'm like, nope, that's poop. OK. Um, uh oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's so what I'm trying to avoid. No, thank you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just a little addendum of some like, you know, museum politics that have to do with Cholula, which is that, uh, it's the all first good stuff, right? All yeah. good stuff you're about to tell me. Uh, the first study of Cholula was done by a guy by the name of Adolf, uh, Bandelier, who is an American, uh, who was an American who was born in Switzerland, who, uh, as part of the study unearthed several graves that, uh, he then took the skulls of and returned to the United States. And some of those skulls are in us museums oh, right just now. Just took them. Just yeah, took them yeah, on. Yeah, just, yeah. just got some, put them in his carry on and he went back to the States. Oh, excellent. Yep. 
And also, uh, despite the fact that it's a very, very significant site, Cholula is actually a rather, uh, this is sort of a, an alien of the gaps because we actually haven't done a whole lot of work on Cholula because mm. of the sort of, when you deal with a heritage site like the, the church, there's a whole lot of regulatory limits on what you can do on the site uh, when it comes to excavation and study. And so we really, there's still a lot of mysteries in, uh, in underneath that uh, underneath that uh, pyramid or underneath that yeah. hill that we just don't know because it's all in there. Um, Gotta so dig more we, tunnels. Yeah, so if we find a mysterious power plant, sweet. Yeah. Um, but uh, something makes me think that when we get to World Grid Theory next week, uh, uh-huh. we, will, um, we will find some different answers as to what that could be. Oh, well, I'm excited. Stay tuned, everyone. I know that I will be staying tuned. Uh, I ever, Whenever we're not recording this podcast, I just sit in the same spot in front of my microphone waiting for Tristan to show up again. So I'm, that's what I'm going to be doing the whole week. Uh, yeah, you've we had, this, this Zoom call has been going on for over a year. It's you must, the one, it must cost you a fortune. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's see, that's my trick, right? They they charge you per like, uh, you know, how many Zoom calls you can make. And if you just do the one, then <laughs> what? The, the joke's on them. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a regular old scammer. But that is, that's a Cholula pyramid, a really cool part uh, that is emblematic I feel like there's nothing more uh, perfect to describe the 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 strange beauty of Mexican culture than the fact that it's a uh, ancient pyramid with a church built on top of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting. Thank you for shedding light on this on this. You do this often where you will talk about places that I've not really even heard of. And now I suddenly have like a massive appreciation. And hopefully that's what kind of our show is, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. hopefully that's it. And if you like it, then, hey, stay subscribed to this podcast. Get subscribed if you're not already uh, and follow us at Probs Not Aliens on Twitter. We post updates and uh, we, we all people just also send us really nice things like fan art and and just other jokes and, and good stuff. So thank you for yeah. doing that. And uh, we also, I don't, Tristan, I, this is the first I'm hearing of this. You do something outside of this podcast. You have another <laughs> thing that you do. I try to. Um, I, yeah, I, I run a YouTube channel called Step Back uh, where I talk about, uh, I'm trying to focus on America, uh, sort of stuff going on in America and specifically about how modern events and history interact and why the past is important. Um, so Scott, I think that while you are waiting for me to show up, you occasionally also uh, produce content from your pro- uh, yeah. content glands. Just sort of in the background. Uh, I mean, <laughs> jokes aside, I think we got to give you and I got to give ourselves more credit. We've been doing this podcast pretty regularly, even though our video content is uh, less less regular. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I have a I have a YouTube channel. It's called NerdSync. N e r d s y n c. I make video essays about. Uh, uh, comics and cartoons and superheroes and movies and other things that I'm interested in in pop culture. And I use those things to talk about real world history, philosophy, culture, and art, all these really interesting things. And uh, basically trying to trick you, trying to trick you into learning, you little, you fool. Uh, and then that's what I do. And, um, and if you like this show that you're listening to, it helps us out so much when you leave good reviews, uh, like people do on Apple podcasts. So thank you so much for everyone for doing that. I think 
we're almost at 150 reviews. Uh, if we can get to like 200, that would be pretty cool, I think. Uh, and then other than that, the best way to spread the show around is what, Tristan? Oh, um, telling your friends because uh, podcasts don't have a recommendation algorithm. So, uh, or, or actually, I think I got my dad to listen to this podcast because I put it on YouTube. So it's on YouTube. But um, the podcast yeah, tell is your on friends. YouTube. Word of mouth. I got my dad to listen to this podcast. So get there you go. Get your dads to listen to the tell me every every dad must listen to this podcast. every dad must listen to this podcast tell tweet at us if you've gotten your dad to li- or tweet us if you are a dad and you and you have listened to this podcast to be fair this know. is a very dad friendly podcast history channel uh yeah. aliens yes uh, history yeah this is this is a extremely dad friendly content i talked about outlander earlier where where people bone in it so if you're like if if that's if that's sort of what what dad vibe you're going for like i i get it i'm there i'm not dad though but like yeah we have all the hits we have all the dad hits we've got them all uh and you can always just spread as spread the show around by sharing the link probsnotaliens.com it's got all the links to everywhere where you can find this show uh so just throw that at people and uh your dads specifically um Mm -hmm. or other dads they don't have to be your dads just find a dad dads of all genders and uh yeah dads of all genders ages anything Uh, find a dad tell them about this podcast find a dad and give this podcast that's your yeah june is coming up and father's day is in june so that's your mission is find a dad and get them to listen to the podcast Mm -hmm. um but yeah what we will uh, we're going to talk about world grid theory next week but until then scott yeah the truth is out there possibly oh that was fucked up um problemente If you're wrong and that's not how you say probably in Spanish, then you are going to get an incredibly aggressive late night visit from the Duolingo owl.